Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 33 of the Boomer Bebo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. I'm with the best looking man to ever root for the University of Texas, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. We are excited for to recap another fantastic week of college football. Oklahoma survives Ames 27-13. We'll break that down in other top 25 scores. Our picks, Kevin, we both picked Kentucky to cover against Tennessee. That was a bad Ooh. pick. Yeah, not even close there. Not even close. Is Tennessee the number one team in the country? I know it doesn't matter because we're about to have the game of the we'll year find out. Yeah, in we'll Georgia, find out. Tennessee. But will they be number one in the country? I think they'll be number two. It doesn't matter. I am. I, I got to tell you what. I am excited. I know this is the Boomer Bebo podcast, and I know whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm excited about this. This is what college football is supposed to be. Good on good, undefeated, late season. I mean, it's basically a play – in many ways, it's it's almost a playoff elimination game because these are clearly the best two teams in the in the uh, SEC. I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I can't wait to see what Josh Heupel schemes up against the Georgia defense. We'll get to our picks later on that game because we'll definitely be picking that game, but I just sure. think it's fantastic. Sure. The other game we picked, we picked it correctly, but nobody saw K-State coming in. 48 to nothing over Oklahoma State. Holy crap. Look, Oklahoma has been on the opposite side of a bad loss. 49 nothing to your Texas Longhorns. But I think it's fair to say there were circumstances in that game. No starting quarterback. Uh, new coach. Uh, the backup quarterback was just horrible. This was not the case for Oklahoma State. They came in. We knew they were tired. We knew they had expended some energy against Texas. And but man, the week before. Yeah. But man, oh man, 48 to nothing? Look, from the jump, it looked like they had nothing in the tank. I mean, from the opening drive, it just was not there. It was never there. I do think it was all over them. Deuce Vaughn can still be running over them. I, and I'll tell you what, is is Howard making the case to keep the job if Martinez is healthy? You know, I was thinking about that, right? They play Texas this week. I don't know how you pull that guy off. 21-37, 296 yards and four touchdowns. It'll be interesting, right? But it gives also it gives Texas something to think about, right? Because I'm, I'm sure in the press conference they're going to be, oh, we'll see who plays. So now you have to prepare for both. Hit. Here's the deal. Historically, he hasn't been a great quarterback, but yeah. he has found it's it's similar to a Max Duggan story. They, it's, but for the last two weeks specifically for him, he has found lightning in the bottle. He's looked fantastic, and that is not a team that Texas is. I mean, it is going to be a challenge at K State. They are going to be already right. going. It was already going to be tough. Oh, but right. And now you watch him play like that, especially. I mean. The scariest thing is Deuce Vaughn, though. 22 carries, 158 yards, and a touchdown. Man. Yeah, it's um, going to be tough. 
It's going to be, oh my gosh, I can't wait to preview that game. I, I've i got, between TCU and K-State, you know, pr- pretty much the, the leaders right now in the clubhouse for getting into the Big 12 championship game. Those are fun teams to watch. TCU goes eight goes to 8-0, wins in West Virginia. It was close, but they did what they had to do. They were ahead the whole game. So congratulations to TCU getting there. Uh, Georgia beat Florida. Pretty, it wasn't a ball game. Ohio State, a huge fourth quarter over Penn State. 28 points in the fourth quarter. Listen, man, you saw some of their big players, and this is why recruiting matters, right? We saw their best players really step up. That Penn State atmosphere is as good as any in college football, right? And I know it was the nighttime whiteout, but still, they had it rocking for a noon kickoff. The no, stadium no. was Penn rocking. S- Penn State gave Ohio State everything they had, but at the end of the day, uh, C.J. Stroud just looked like what a Heisman winner is supposed to look like in that fourth quarter. Correct. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, yeah. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know his dad was great, right, a Hall of Fame player. But, man, his son is really talented. Doesn't look like him. Different build, right? He's a bigger guy, about 6'3", 6'4". Uh, his dad was a smaller. But, man, what a game. And their defensive end. Uh, 44? Yes, yeah. Yes. I don't pronounce his name. I'm going to butcher no, it. No, no, Listen, he's a five-star guy out of the Seattle area. Could have gone anywhere in the country. Goes to Ohio State, and he showed why he was a five-star recruit. I mean, that was a performance for the ages. What do you have? Two sacks, two interceptions. Yeah. Uh, a forced fumble. He was all over the field, man. You have guys like that. Ohio State's going to be really hard for anybody to beat this year. I got to tell you, I usually think Ohio State looks – I think they get the benefit of a lot of a weak schedule and catching teams at the right time, and then they, they tend to get exposed in the playoffs. I don't know, similar to maybe Oklahoma over the last five or six years. So, okay. But in a very similar way, I just feel like Ohio State is, you know, not always as good as advertised. That game yesterday, especially in the fourth quarter – on the road, quality opponent. That yeah, that looked like a really good time win. It looked like a good football team. I didn't want to take anything away from them. Um, USC wins. Uh, Ole Miss beats A and M. A and M actually played a pretty good ball game. Their third string quarterback, whoever they chose to roll out there, finally could complete a forward pass. How about Lane Kiffin? Not only is he making Joker references to Jimbo Fisher in the post game, but how about refer? How about straight up calling out an A and M player for being a little boop and telling him to fake a beeping injury like all the other beeps on the team? I mean, is that guy fantastic for college yeah, football? Yeah, I mean, we yes, yes, he's a gift that keeps on giving, man. Bless uh, Lane Kiffin. I, you, look, nobody likes him. Okay, I'm no. not. The, the the Boomer People podcast is not here saying we like Lane Kiffin. But I like what Lane Kiffin is to college football. He is evil. Yeah. He's horrible. And he's awesome. I mean, it, and he's the character. He's a, he's a modern day character to hate. And I love every, give me, give me more Lane yes, Kiffin. You have to have villains in this world, right? Uh, you got to have villains. Speaking of villains, what did you think about uh, the Michigan State Tunnel villains as they attacked the poor guy from Michigan in the tunnel? Was that insane or what? 
You know, it's crazy, man. I've never seen anything like that, right? I mean, this whole uh, this podcast is based on a huge rivalry game, right? Yes. And it's a heated one, right? It's a border state rivalry uh, game. They never go seen the, like that. They go through the same tunnel. Same tunnel. We and we've I've heard about heard we've heard about te- things happening in tunnels between teams pre-game, uh, sometimes post-game. We've seen midfield scuffles, especially between OU and Texas. But to our schools, to our schools' credit, we've never seen one team unilaterally attack one single player. I mean, this the odds on this was like thirteen to one. This guy was getting there; he got jumped. He got jumped in an alley in an alley by a bunch of dudes. Dude, it was listen. We're kind of saying it with a smile on our face. It was an ugly. That was ugly. Yeah, it was horrible. And for that to happen in your own stadium. It's not like they were at Michigan State Stadium, at Spartan Stadium. This was at the big house. Um, there's really just no – there's no room for it. And it just doesn't no. even – I mean – You lost a, 29-7 if you're Michigan State, right? I mean – Yeah, what are you trying to prove you're all big and bad by beating up one yeah. dude? I, it, I'm sure he was acting a fool. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I assume he I mean, said something. There's a good something. chance of it. I want to say probably. Yeah. There's, there's a, a good, good chance of that. There's a good chance dude said something he shouldn't have said, but man, come on. Michigan State, walk on by, dude. You got your butts kicked. You don't have to act like fools. Um, Matt Brown, former head coach of the University of Texas. Yes. Rolling seven to one. They are seven and one. Um, uh, You know, after week one, when they barely escaped Appalachian State, I think we had all written off North Carolina. Now, Kevin, yeah. they are on a freeway to the ACC championship game against Clemson. Does anything stop them? I don't think so, man. They've already got, I think, a two or three game lead in their division. So, yeah, and with games against Virginia, they do have to go to Wake Forest, right? That's going to be tough. They play Georgia Tech, who's no good. And then they've got NC State, but it's at home. Okay, real quick. Well, congratulations, Mac Brown. We look forward to seeing you against, uh, get your ass kicked against Clemson. Um, speaking of Wake Forest, and teams that North Carolina is going to have to face. Um, you think that Wake Forest will be working on ball security at practice this week? Do you yeah, think so that will be the sole focus of their do you whole think, existence this week? Do you think their running backs and quarterbacks might be walking around a la Bijan Robinson with a ball in their hand around campus asking random students to take it from them? Uh, you read me the play. You read me the uh, the stat line right before this broadcast, but I didn't believe it. Can you go over the second quarter drive summary for Wake Forest again against? Actually, Louisville? okay, it's, a, it's the third quarter. Really, the second, the whole second half. Okay. The whole second half. I'm sorry, second half. I meant second half. I meant second half. Yeah. All right. Pick six. Bumble. Oh, no. Hold on. This is Wake Forest drive summary. Against Louisville, Wake Forest is ranked at the time. They're in the top twenty-five. They're number ten, ranked number ten. Number ten. Holy crap! I didn't realize yes. they were in the top ten. This is a top ten team in the yes. in, in a deep game in the season. They've established themselves as a top ten team. All right, hold on. Go. This is their okay, second so half drives. Go. Correct. Now at halftime, they're up 14-13. Okay. In, yeah. All right. In this game. In the game. In this game, it's halftime. Wake is winning 14-13. So they come out. They throw a pick six. Interception. And they fumble. I wish that we had some, like, graphics to go, you know, but I imagine Sports Center says turnover number one. Yes. 
All right, then they fumble it. They lose, Two. They lose a fumble. They get it back. They lose another fumble. Three. They throw another interception. Four. They fumble again. Five. Another pick six. Six. Another interception. Seven. And that's it. I thought there was one more. No, that's it. That's it. That's, listen to me. They had seven this is, turnovers. Seven turnovers in the second half against Louisville. That is unbelievable. Correct. Yeah. I mean, can you they, imagine? Louisville scored 35 points in the third quarter. Can you imagine just for an instant? Either one of our fan bases experiencing seven turnovers and a half of football, let alone a game. I think they I think they had eight in the game, though, didn't they? Yeah, they had eight in the game. But seven and a half of football, Oklahoma fan and Texas fan would be insane. I don't even know what one of our fan bases would do. I can't yeah. even imagine it. Yeah, we're rioting, right? I mean, four interceptions, four fumbles lost. <sighs> Yeah. Um that's just that's just unbelievable. Um okay, all of that to recap of things that matter. You went two and one in picks. I went one and two. Uh we both uh I because I I did not pick Oklahoma correctly. We'll get to the breakdown of the game here shortly, but I did not have Oklahoma. You had Oklahoma. We both had Kentucky, that was a loss. And we both had – well, no, wait a minute. I had K-State. We both had K-State. I had K- – we both had K-State. That was the win. I had Kentucky. Loss. Loss. Um, but overall, just a fantastic week of college football. It was really, really good. I'm sure you enjoyed your bye week. You enjoyed rest. You enjoyed sitting back and letting – watching the events unfold. Am I right about this? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's nice to sit back and be overly critical of everybody else's performances, not uh, my own team for once. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the company that gives you the opportunity to feel like you've had a bye week every week when you're having an insurance claim, and that is Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver handles insurance claims for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss to your home or business because of fire, wind, theft, vandalism flood, whatever the case may be, hire Brown O'Haver. Take away the stress that you feel from game week, week after week after week after week, and feel what it feels like to have a bye week in the, for the duration of your insurance claim. Because Brown O'Haver will take the reins of your insurance claim and handle the entire claim for you, and all doing so while getting you 30 to 40% more money than you get on your own. Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Oklahoma wins 27-13. Kevin, first of all, Iowa State has been a bugaboo for Oklahoma, even at 0-4. I mean, you know this from you know this when when they were 0 and they were 0-3 when you played them in conference, right? Correct. And it felt like a good and it felt like a good win. Yes, absolutely. 0-4 to beat Iowa State 27-13 to felt like a good win. And I think it was a good win. Um, I like, at the very beginning, I love going for the fake field goal. Oh, I it was love a great it. call. 
Yeah, it was a great design and a great it, call. It tells you that here's the deal. We're not the world beater of teams that we have been in the past. We're not the team that could just roll the ball out and win under any circumstances. That hasn't occurred this year for Oklahoma. You've got to be willing to show that you're willing to gamble, that you're willing to take chances, that you're willing to trust your defense, that you're willing to put the other team in awkward positions, and that's exactly what this play call did. And I just like the play call. When's the last time you saw the holder flip it right to the right to the kicker and he runs it right down the middle of the field? Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen oh, him kind of pitch it out to him on the edge, but never right up the gut. It was. So I thought it was a great job of scouting. Yeah. Who's your special teams coach? Who, who, do you know, you know what? I don't even know. I should know that. I okay. should know that. I will look that up. I should too. Really, honestly, I should too. And I don't. So I'm sure somebody's listening saying they're yelling out who it is. So, uh, Yes, please put it in your comments how stupid we are. We will have that information. But I, I thought it was a great play call right up the middle. And you know what? It allowed us to play from the, from the lead, right, with the lead. Correct. Which has been something that Oklahoma and their losses never did. We were always behind the K-State always behind the TCU, and then, of course, always behind the Texas, I mean, obviously. And so to be able to play with the lead, it allows us to kind of control the tenor of the game. And I thought Oklahoma controlled the tenor of the game. They stayed committed to the run, even though it was tough going. Eric Gray still ran for 101 yards. Uh, Gabriel did what he had to do. I thought Mims didn't have his best game. I don't know. They just couldn't connect. Um, But that's okay. Because Jalil Farouk's kind of kind of showed out. He had four receptions yeah, for 70, 74 yards, a nice wide open touchdown where they schemed him wide open. Um, but in a 27-13 game, it's easy to say the defense is the star of the game. Now, it what let's keep it in perspective. It was Iowa State. We talked about this in the pregame. Iowa State is the worst offense in the Big 12. So the challenge that I gave to Oklahoma was, number one, we still have to create turnovers. Check. Three interceptions. Fantastic job. Number two, we have to get pressure on the quarterback. Mm. We only had one sack, but we did have eight tackles for loss. So that was in the plus column. And then the other thing was, is I wanted to make sure the team needed to, it was how we performed to the average because our defense had been on the high side of every average against every other team in conference this year. Meaning we, we allowed them to score more than their average or rush or pass or total offense, whatever, more than their average. Um, We held them to 66 rushing yards, which was 40 less than their average. And let's just face it. 66 rushing yards is fantastic against any team. Absolutely. And then for passing, it was, Pretty, it was pretty close right on their average. Um, a little bit over, actually. But my God, he passed it 57 times. Correct. It was not efficient at all. It was not an efficient pass game. It was 37 for 57, one touchdown, three interceptions. He only had, Decker's only had a quarterback rating of 36 and a half. So it was a very effective defense. The only thing, Kevin, that kept the defense from having just a fantastic fantastic game just a just a lockdown just nasty kind of game was the first drive of the fourth quarter they give up two fourth and longs 
one on the 29-yard line, and one again on the 15-yard line. And it was maddening. But other than those two plays, which were glaring and quite honestly stupid, I thought the defense did a very good job against Iowa State. Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought so, too. I mean, the first thing with them, right, you have to stop the run. And you did a really good job of that. Their backs, listen, they really miss Brees Hall, right? Oh, I mean, they miss yeah. Brees Hall as much as any player in college football. Any team in college football misses any player because their backs that they have now, they're just not nearly as good. I mean, they're missing open holes. And, and yeah, it's just the yeah. drop-off from last year to this year, it's, just, it's glaring, right? And Hunter Decker's man, sometimes he just doesn't see the field well. And I think that the schemes, OU's defensive scheme had a lot to do with it. That interception he threw to Stutzman, I mean, well, he's right there. All, he just never saw him. First of all, Stutzman needed that interception. And, and he had a good game. But p- the, the very play prior to that interception, he allowed Stutzman to have a long pickup on the third and long. And oh, Stutzman yeah, was – yeah. yeah, Decker's – yeah, because Stutzman just kept cheating out. He was the spy. He was clearly the spy in the play, but he kept cheating out, cheating out to the left, and allowed Deckers to pick up that long game. But he redeemed himself with a good interception, so good on you, Stutzman, for coming back. Um, what I liked about it was defensively they weren't afraid to blitz. They came with a lot of pressure. A lot of times they were rolling six, seven dudes in there. Um, now – is, is that because it's Iowa State and they can afford to do that? Okay, sure. But we still got to show that we can do that. We still have to – if that's how we have to get pressure on the quarterback, let's hurry the guy up and make him make some bad throws. I love that look. I thought they did a really good job. And we've seen this year, right? I mean, he he had – what do you have, eight interceptions going into the game? Yep. And you guys got we ta- three more. So. We talked about it. You know, is this mm-hmm. going to be an opportunity? And and clearly it was. And, I, I again, they put – they had to put pressure. The pressure created um, indecision in his mind or forced him to make some bad throws, and we capitalized on it three separate times. One right at the beginning of the game with Woody Washington, which is which was a very competitive interception. Like, he had to make that play. Uh, Broyles, it was good to see him get an interception, and then Stutzman to be able to recover from that play and in a critical moment in the fourth quarter get that interception and really put the game away. It was a big win. I mean, we held – Xavier Hutchinson to 10. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy that he had 10 catches, but they were only for 72 yards. I think yeah. holding him under 100 yards was a win. Oh, yeah. He had 150 against Texas. Well, and we talked about it, right? He was accounting for 40% of their offense over uh, yeah. the course of the conference games. And so to hold him to 72, I think, was a big win. I'll tell you, it's going to sound weird, but in a game that's 27 13, um, special teams clearly played a big role. Schmidt, in addition to his um, in addition to his touchdown, had some b- nice solid kicks that never had a chance of missing. They were right down the middle. But Michael Turk, holy crap, dude! Six punts, two hundred ninety six yards, forty nine point three yards a punt, with two of them deep inside the twenty. Did you hear when the? I thought this was funny during the broadcast. It was that one punt from the end zone. And um, when you punt it from the back of the end zone. Yeah. And the commentator referred to it as a short punt. I'm like, the guy punted from the back of the end zone and got it to the 50-yard line. I mean, that's yeah. a great punt. What are you it's talking about? It's a great about? punt. It's <laughs> a great punt. 
Turk, uh, Turk, Turk is a Turk is a very, good very good. Yeah, he's a very good punter. Listen, Texas fan knows about this. We had a we had a punter win MVP of a bowl game. <laughs> well, like legitimately, literally had a punter win MVP of a bowl game. I mean, he was our only, was that effective. He was our only preseason, uh, you know, all Big Twelve player. But he's lived up to it. I think he's yeah, the pre. I think. He, um, I don't know where he ranks in the country. I don't know who else would be there. But yeah. he is. He's a stud. He's a very, a very good putter. And, very good um, putter is a weapon for sure. And so, anyway, this this is the kind of game. You know, you have the you have the offensive breakout against Kansas. Now you have your defense get a little bit of momentum. Uh, now we host Baylor. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the offense, though. What you What you think about the offense? I think it's the same thing that always happens to the offense when you play Iowa State. It gets muddy. It for gets sure, muddy. Sure. And, and what I said was, um, and what I said was that I wanted to make sure that Levy stayed committed to the run. Yeah. Because and one I, thing we talked about is that you can run on these guys. Maybe not huge chunk, sixty yard runs, but you can you can. If you stay with it, you can make it work. Texas did the same thing. I thought it was good to see how you do that. Exactly. They they stayed with it. Again, um, he only he only, right, in parentheses, only had a hundred and yard one yards rushing. I mean, now we're expecting this guy to get 175 every time he goes out. He only had that, he only averaged 5.1 yards a carry. He only had a touchdown. But Eric Gray played a really, really solid game. He was really good, yeah. You know, and DG, again, did not have a spectacular game. Iowa State could make anybody not look spectacular. I think Iowa State, um, their offense is so bad that they wouldn't be able to do it. But if you could just take their defense up against like an Ohio State, they would make Ohio State, at least for a period of time, look ugly. That's my belief. I just really think they've got a, they've got a scheme. They're disciplined. They don't let anything big happen to you. I mean, they took Marvin Mims completely out of the game. But he had DG, a few drops too. He had a few uncharacteristic drops. Uh yes. And he had some where I thought actually he had a couple deep ball, at least one deep ball. I'm remembering out of the out of the end zone that DG threw it. And I thought, I don't know, I just didn't think he made a good play on it. But all that to be said, back to Dylan Gabriel, he just he managed the game well. Nothing stupid, no yeah. mistakes, which is what you have to do in an Iowa State at Ames. Everybody right. sees this in the conference. Um, and it's real similar to what it's look, it's it's a very similar game to what Quinn Ewers did. Correct. Right? Yeah. Take yeah. take what they give you, don't make any mistakes. Um he didn't find, you know, the difference was Quinn found Xavier Worthy, which is you know, DG's Marvin Mims. In this case, we it was Jaleel, Jaleel Farouk. He got open. We made the right play when we needed to. So offensively, I mean, is it what we saw against Kansas? No, we're but it's sh- Kansas's defense. Either. But we're not playing against Kansas's defense, and it shows in my mind. It shows a versatility to be able to be patient, run the ball, control the game clock, play with a lead. Don't beat yourself once you've got that lead. Um, I don't know, man. I felt really good about it. I mean, it's the same way y'all felt felt about it when y'all beat Iowa State. You Absolutely. Just, you kind yeah. of feel good yeah. about it. You do. Also, I want to say this. I thought from a schematic standpoint, I thought there were some 
really good play calls that happened. And some of them didn't work, and I'm going to give credit to the defense of Iowa State for that. But I thought there was some nice misdirection stuff that could work against lesser defenses. Also, I saw some routes, some route combinations that I haven't seen uh, throughout the season. Well, um, I thought they worked the middle of the field better instead of just trying to, you know, go deep on the edges. I saw some stuff across the middle that that looked good. Well, here's the deal. Here's the reality is you see that stuff better than I do. But what I did notice was the pre-snap. There was a lot more movement in the pre-snap. We actually talked about this with with uh, Sarkeesian as a play caller and even Levy to extent and even Lincoln Riley in, in years past where the first one or two drives, you get a lot of eye candy. And you're, you know, you're shifting guys and you're moving dudes and you're bringing it. But then as the, as the game progresses, it kind of reverts back to like a very base kind of look. Correct. Up and uh, even through the fourth quarter, I thought there was some good motion, some good shifts, some, just some things to kind of keep Iowa state off their off balance a little yeah. bit. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see what someone like Teddy Lehman or Gabe Icard, you know, they do a great job on their podcast what they thought about it, because I thought schematically, though, I thought Libby had his best game as a as a play caller, but I'll, I'll be curious to see what they think. These it's guys are hard. around the play caller. These guys it's, are around the program more than I am. It's hard to say I that was the a, things I like. It was hard to say that was a better game than K, than Kansas for, for Levy. Makes sense. Makes sense. But against a good defense, though, I thought they he schemed some things up that, um, that maybe they hadn't seen on film. I just think that Iowa State plays some really good defense. I listen, I agree. And again, to me, it just it speaks to the versatility of Levy as a play caller. You're not you you can't scheme the same game you, you, that you did against Kansas or Nebraska or uh even K-State. I mean, you know, we put up a lot of points on K-State. It's um it's just it be patient, trust the run, let Eric Gray go to work. It's funny, man. So I just got back from northwest Arkansas from a soccer tournament and uh, we were staying in an Airbnb, which was kind of like a duplex. It's kind of like a right. double. Um, it was gorgeous, though. Gorgeous part. It was in the Bentonville area. Just fantastic. Leaves are changing, the whole deal. We finished second in the tournament, whatever. Doesn't matter. But it was, um, it, was fa- it was gorgeous. But interestingly enough, it was uh, its big mountain bike area. So people okay. like drive, which I don't know. That sounds crazy to me. I don't know who that, I can't even imagine getting on a bike right now at 44 years old, but um, they're doing mountain bikes and and next door is Tennessee fan. Two dudes that drove to Bentonville from Memphis just to do mountain biking. Wow. But big time Tennessee fans, we're talking like with the they got the license plate, the guy had his orange shirt on yesterday, they were going crazy in the other room against the camp. We started talking and number one, they they miss Eric Gray. They have an they have a even as good as their offense is. Now this is just Tennessee fan, but as good as their offense is, they wish they had Eric Gray to add as a compliment to that. And I got to tell you, last year Oklahoma fan did not feel that way about Eric Gray. This year, this game proves why Eric Gray is deserving of that starting position. He's done a great job, and this is another good game of that. Also. This guy was unaware of the rift between Josh Heupel and uh, Bob Stoops. And I had told him about it before the game um, because I said, hey, man, we're as an OU fan, I'm fired up that Josh Heupel is doing so well. I mean, that guy won us a national championship. I mean, I don't I don't care what he did or didn't do as, a, as an offensive coordinator. Dude brought us our last national championship. Right. Yeah. 
I said, so I'm, I'm proud of him. I think he's doing great. And he's like, what do you mean? You know what? I'm like, dude, Stoops fired him. Like they don't like each other, man. I, there is, there's no, there's not a love, a lot of love lost there. And then after the game, he was like, he's like, I'm so glad you told me that I had no idea, but to watch the interaction between him and Mark Stoops and Mike Stoops, it was, he goes, it was chilly. He's like, they did not like each other. There was no love lost there. Wow. So, and I told, I told him, you know, and it's similar if you think, I mean, it would be, it, the equivalent would be in a Tennessee world, Philip Fulmer and T Martin having a complete falling out. I mean, yeah. you just can't even fathom it. Believe it. Yeah. It wouldn't in be the, believable. In the Texas world, uh, you know, Vince Young is different because he won a Heisman and he was such a player. He did. But, actually. Oh, but he should have. But he should have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it would be like Mac Brown and Vince Young not texting yeah, each other. It, it would be like Vince Young not saying, hey, coach, congratulations getting seven to one. Yeah. It would be like, no, crickets. So anyway, yeah, I know we just got off. Unbelievable. We just got off the beaten path there a little bit, but yes, Eric Gray. Back to the original point of the story. Eric Gray um, is missed at Tennessee, and I think for Oklahoma fan, uh, as I've said all year, and especially in the preseason, we need to appreciate what we have in him as a running back. And I love the way Levy Levy used it. Um, and that's my final thoughts on the Iowa State game. I'm ready to play Baylor. We play Baylor. Y'all have. We got at K State. Tough game, man. Tough game. K State has one loss in conference, correct? Uh, yes, correct. But y'all only have two, right? Yes. So if you and that were to, bizarre Texas Tech loss, man, I, I I still can't get over it. If you're to if you were to beat Kansas State, you would have the same record as K State. And you should have the tiebreaker over K-State, you would, yes, correct? Yes, we'd have the tiebreaker because it's head-to-head, correct. The problem is Oklahoma State has the tiebreaker over you guys. Yeah. Yeah. But then, uh, look, man, I'm not even stressing about anybody else right now because there's so much football left to be played, and there are plenty of losses to be had by everybody. I know, but the Big 12 is still shaping up to be pretty fun. It's it's definitely not That's decided. what I mean. There's going to be losses. Yeah, it's not. It's, the way it looks now is not the way it's going to look here in three weeks. Um, I don't know how Texas fan feels about TCU. Oklahoma fan is never – I don't know that we've ever hated TCU, largely because we've pretty much owned TCU. I don't know that they've ever given us – Especially when point. Lincoln was there, man. Lincoln – Patterson's defense could not hang with Riley's offense. He yeah. always has something really good for Patterson. And so I don't know that we've ever hated TCU. So I find myself currently rooting for TCU. Like I would love TCU to go undefeated. I think that would be a great story. Go to, I, I don't think they can compete. I don't think they're competing against Tennessee or Ohio State or Georgia or even Oregon out in the West. Like I, I, I that's a hard leap for me. But I'm still rooting for them. I'd like to see them represent the Big 12, go undefeated. I think they could do it. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who they face in the Big 12 title game. But I, I still think they could do it. Uh, just, can Texas root for TCU? I mean, I guess you still have to play them, so that's probably not an option. But can y'all root for TCU or do y'all hate yeah, them? It's, no, it's not. If anything, you know, we just hate the fact that they – have whooped us a few times in the last decade. 
um, under Gary Patterson. Because so if to, there's any hate, it'll just be from that. But there's nothing that they've done. You know, they, they haven't been relevant long enough for to be a team that you really hate. Because this is not like Texas Tech. I like I couldn't root for Texas Tech. Like, Same. I yeah. would want Texas Tech to lose every single time. Like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think maybe even West Virginia I could pull for. Like I can see myself pulling for West Virginia. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah. um, so yeah, I I find myself rooting for TCU. I hope they keep the winning up. Um, but I listen, dude. You are clearly – you're not out of this Big 12. Like, I thought you were. I thought that loss to Oklahoma State put you out of that, put you out of it. But I did not see Oklahoma State getting just annihilated. Because well, here's the deal. talked about it after the game, after the, the Texas-Oklahoma State game. I told you I thought Oklahoma State had some losses in them, and I wasn't hating because they just beat us. But they looked like a team that was ready to be beat. They were ready to be beat on that night. And Texas just couldn't get the job done. Well, I thought Oklahoma would have a good chance of beating Oklahoma State and Norman just because it's, you know, it's Bedlam, it's in Norman, and it's all of this, and I, we'll get there to that when we get to that week. But after coming off a 48 nothing loss, I'm thinking, Oklahoma, there's, there's, a, there's a very good chance OU is favored when, when Oklahoma State comes to town. Yeah, I mean, you keep winning. I don't see any reason why not. I see no reason why not. So anyway, I think the big the Big Twelve is uh, the Big Twelve is a lot of fun. We're gonna have a, a Texas and K State preview coming up later this week. Oklahoma and Baylor, which surprisingly has gotten to be a pretty good little game here. We got two five and three teams. Yeah, no love lost in conference. They're both three and two in conference. Well, y'all are two and three in conference, but um, Baylor's three and two uh, with a loss to BYU, right? Correct. Which BYU doesn't look that good right now. No, that loss, not at all. That, that, loss to be, that loss to BYU does not look nearly as good as it did when it occurred. But that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's still going to be – I think it's going to be a, a good matchup. It's good on good again. It's it's similar to the Iowa State where you've got a good offense in Oklahoma playing against a good defense with Baylor. Um, Aranda is a good coach. Uh, but it's in Norman, and I think it's going to be a big deal. For y'all having to go to K-State – uh, what do you think about this time slot and this the game on ESPN Plus? Oh, you know what? First of all, I was going to save that rant for the preview, but we've got another couple minutes. You can do both, yeah. Dude, it sucks. It sucks. I hate ESPN Plus games. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. For the number one reason, you can't. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You can't flip between channels. Once you're on ESPN Plus, you're freaking stuck on that game. It sucks. Yeah. I hate it. And um, I'm probably going to listen to it on the radio. I, there's a good chance I listen to it on the radio. Number one, where I got a soccer tournament, so I'm, I might just so listen to it. But I might listen to the radio anyway because I hate ESPN Plus and they piss me off. That makes me mad. And with that, Kevin, we will see you next week for our preview. Boomer. Welcome. <laughs>